Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and friends and enemies and lovers and haters and interdimensional cave dwellers, to the fourth episode of the Conspiraporn Podcast, brought to you by Conspiraporn.com. My name is Mad, and I'll be your host for today's episode, and I want to take a moment to thank those handful of people out there who are checking out the website and listening into the podcast, because um, your support is most appreciated, and I hope to step up my game, so to speak, and provide something of substance and infotainment uh, through all of my websites, including conspiraporn.com, as well as geneticmemory.online and primordialproductions.info, as well as all the podcasts uh, that you might be listening to right now, whether it be day or night, across the vast expanse of time and space. And I'm going to give a warning right now uh, on today's episode. We're going to delve into some deep terrain uh, this week. And to set the mood, I'd like to start with a quote from the masterful author, lecturer, and professor of literature and comparative mythology, Joseph Campbell, in which he has stated, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. Uh, I'd like to read a article, a uh, recent article from Live Science, and uh, this was published elsewhere <clears throat> as well in various forms, but I'd like to share a recent article that was first presented on March 31st, 2021 in the Journal of Archaeology, Consciousness, and Culture, which reads, Stone Age people may have deliberately ventured into oxygen-depleted caves to paint while having out-of-body experiences and hallucinations, according to a new study. In the 19th century, researchers discovered a series of decorated caves that date back between 40,000 and 14,000 years to the Upper Paleolithic Era, or Late Stone Age, across Western Europe. The caves, found mainly in Spain and France, were filled with wall paintings, many of them in areas that could be accessed only through narrow passageways. Uh, the depictions were painted in black and red and primarily showed animals with some hand stencils, handprints, and geometric abstract signs. But why would people go through all the trouble of walking through narrow cave passages to make art? To answer this question, a group of researchers at Tel Aviv University focused on a characteristic of such deep, narrow caves, especially those that require artificial light to navigate, and that is low levels of oxygen. The researchers ran computer simulations of model caves with different passageways and links that led to slightly larger hall areas where paintings may have been found and analyzed the changes in oxygen concentrations if a person was to stand in different parts of the cave burning a torch. Fire, such as that forms torches, is one of the several factors that depletes oxygen inside of caves. They found the oxygen concentration depended on the height of the passageway, with the shorter passageways having less oxygen. Uh, 
In most of the simulations, oxygen concentrations dropped from the natural atmosphere level of 21% to 18% after being inside the caves for only about 15 minutes. Such low levels of oxygen can induce hypoxia in the body, a condition that can cause headache, shortness of breath, confusion, and restlessness, but hypoxia also increases the hormone dopamine in the brain, which can sometimes lead to hallucinations and out-of-body experiences, according to this study. For caves with low ceilings or small halls, the oxygen concentration dipped as low as 11%, which would cause the more severe symptoms of hypoxia. The researchers hypothesized that ancient people crawled into these deep, dark spaces to induce altered states of consciousness. Hypoxia might well be a plausible explanation for many of the depiction locations which are far from the cave mouth and require passing through low, narrow passages, the authors wrote. We contend that entering these deep, dark caves was a conscious choice motivated, motivated by an understanding of the transformative nature of an underground, oxygen-depleted space. Caves had a specific significance for these ancient civilizations. They were seen as portals that connected to the underworld, lead author Yafit Kedar, a doctoral candidate in the Department of Archaeology and Near Eastern Cultures at Tel Aviv University, told Live Science in an email. The findings suggest that the ancient people sought altered states of consciousness and created cave depictions as a way to maintain their connection with these entities of the other world. There are some parts of the caves that were more ventilated and also contained these depictions. However, altered states of consciousness could be achieved in these contexts via other agencies than hypoxia, the authors wrote. What's more, the authors only simulated the effect that torches have on oxygen in the caves, but other parameters such as human respiration or natural chemical reactions that take place in the caves can even further decrease oxygen concentration, they wrote. The researchers now hope to analyze how many people could be together at the same time in these caves with limited amounts of oxygen and for how long. Again, these findings uh, were published on March 31st in the Journal of Archaeology, Consciousness, and Culture. <clears throat> and that concludes the article. Now, my first reaction to this uh, came out when I read it a couple weeks ago, was that many of these uh, same interpretations and ideas were first explored in a series of books published in the 1990s and early 2000s uh, by researcher and author David Lewis Williams, who is a professor of cognitive archaeology in Johannesburg, South Africa. Now, the first book I'd like to mention is called The Shamans of Prehistory, Trance and Magic in Ancient Caves, and that was published in 1998. And the follow-up books, which explore similar ideas, are entitled The Mind in the Cave and The Neolithic Mind. Now, these three books were all very well received in the scientific community at the time and explore not only ancient cave art, but how this was interrelated to ancient shamanistic practices, tribal initiations, and yes, altered states of consciousness, which include, but are not limited to, oxygen deprivation. Uh, now, I'm not claiming this new article from the Journal of Archaeology, Consciousness and Culture is not presenting new information, uh, because every insight we gain into this era of prehistory is important. Uh, the birth of art and sculpture and agriculture and a political and religious belief system. Uh, these are all very important things to research. Now, all I'm saying is that this theory, as one possible explanation, has already been explored in three books by uh, archaeologist and professor David Lewis Williams going back 20 years, and I'm sure that there are many other books uh, as well that hint at these ideas over the past several decades. Uh, so if you're interested in these topics, I definitely, uh, definitely recommend these three books.
Uh, now, let me start by saying I'm not an expert in anything, really. I'm not an archaeologist or a scientist, and uh, I only have a high school education. Now, but I do consider myself to be a bit of a theoretical uh, philosophist as well as a theoretical historian. And I've researched cave art and the origins of shamanism and mythology and religion and civilization intently for the past 20 years. And I've read dozens upon dozens of books and articles on these subjects as well as documentaries. I've always found cave art as well as the so-called Venus uh, fertility statues, which date back 20 to 40,000 years. Not only to be utterly fascinating, but fantastically important in the consideration of our human heritage and the birth of religious ideology and culture. And the conclusion that myself, uh, as well as many other researchers and actual historians and archaeologists uh, have come to uh, and have uncovered, indeed, is that ancient cave art in many ways represents the birth of a higher cognitive thought and function in our ancestors, but also a variety of ritual elements and initiatory rites, which can only be understood through the exploration and study of primitive shamanism. At some point, 100,000 years ago or more, there was a divergence of the human species in which by reasons of choice or necessity, possibly as a result of a great global cataclysm, a branch of the human family migrated to mountainous cave regions where they largely remained for several tens of thousands of years. Now, it's hard to grasp the idea of uh, tens of thousands of years when considering we don't even really have 10,000 years of recorded human hi history to go by. Um, by most accounts, the ancient cultures of Sumeria and Egypt uh, were not even established 10,000 years ago, yet we have scattered records which goes back 20 to 40,000 years, and even older than that, uh, which shows a direct correlation of ancient cave dwellings, art, statues, primitive tools, human burials, and much more, which allow us to witness, even if just theoretically, a path a divergent path of our Paleolithic and Neolithic ancestors. And while there might indeed be evidence of primitive toolmaking, which stretches back some one million years or more, possibly, the period which fascinates me the most is the birth of art and mythological concepts, which at least currently take us back to about 40,000 years ago and residing in caves in France and Europe and elsewhere in that hemisphere of the globe. Sometimes this is referred to as an explosion or revolution of thought and invention, insinuating that it took place all at once and at a dramatic pace and in the same location. But the truth is that the evidence for the initial creation of art, as well as shamanistic belief systems such as animal worship, ancestor worship, sun worship, and the eventual, eventual development of astronomy and agriculture, uh, was something that took place gradually over a period of tens of thousands of years. Now, there is so so much more that can be discussed about these topics, and we literally could do a show that was three hours long just about these themes and ideas, uh, but I just kind of want to do a brief overview of some of my thoughts regarding the subject. Now, first off, why caves? What was it about caves that wound up becoming a centerpiece and hub of early human development and evolutionary revolution? Now, I mentioned a global cataclysm, most likely coinciding with the last great ice ages and ensuing flooding, which would have taken place, which quite possibly, uh, quite possibly drove bands of migrant humans at some time, our cousins, the Neanderthals, to take refuge into higher regions or deep within the earth to take shelter from not only 
climate changes and harsh elements, but also wild predators. Now, these are the obvious reasons why caves became so important. Caves provide free shelter, a level of warmth in the winter and coolness in the summer. It offers seclusion as well as a higher vantage point, if mountainous, by which to view the arrival of potential predators. Yet over time, it also developed into something more psychological and psychical in nature, as we see the birth of ceremonial burials within the caves, uh, practiced by Homo sapiens sapiens, yet not readily practiced by our Neanderthal cousins. Perhaps it goes hand in hand with these ceremonial burials uh, within the caves, which were lavished with beads and jewelry and personal effects, upon which our ancestors' notion of ritual first came into play. Uh, this would have been a natural progression as the human psyche tried to come to terms with the ideas of life and death and the afterlife and in which these caves came to be seen as portals to the underworld, uh, both literally as well as metaphorically and metaphysically. Uh, this idea of loss and losing a member of the tribe, perhaps a mother or father or brother or child, likely also gave rise to one of the first known methods of worship, and that is through the worship and veneration of ancestors. And pardon me for not properly defining the time frames for all of this and what came first, uh, but at this point, I believe it is still largely an unknown factor, and it falls into line with theoretical history, uh, but co coinciding at the same time was the honor and worship of various creatures in the animal kingdom, most commonly, in my viewpoint, of those animals who were horned and would have been perhaps the most readily available to hunt as a food source for our primitive ancestors. But one of the most striking things about the horned nature of these creatures is that their horns might break off or fall off at some point, but they would grow back. And surely this wasn't lost on our cave-dwelling ancestors. The horns um, would have been seen as not only having um, several ceremonial functions or functions of tool making or jewelry or weapon making, uh, but they would have also been taken on uh, the iconography of rebirth and regeneration and the cycles of life and death. And hence, when we usually visualize the Paleolithic or Neolithic shamans or figures of tribal authority, they most often are depicted as being horned or wearing ceremonial horned headdress. And for a perfect representation of this horned shaman figure and concept, one might look towards the cave paintings discovered in France and dated about 1300 BC, which has been dubbed the Sorcerer and depicts a half-animal, half-human shapeshifter appearing to dance with horns and a humanesque face. And of course, one cannot help but to also see the similarities of horned figures such as Baphomet, or even the stereotypical devil, which eventually sprout up throughout culture associated with the underworld, uh, which is also perceived as a personification of the Christian hell. Now I'd like to stop just for a moment and stress something here before we go any further. <clears throat> when I say our primitive ancestors. That is not to say that they were not developed. Uh, for all intents and purposes, the humans of 20,000, 40,000 years ago were just as mentally developed, at least in their potential, as our modern-day humans. Uh, we have the same neurological framework and capabilities and experience many of the same emotional responses as well as philosophical quandaries and questions. Our cave-dwelling ancestors of 20,000 years ago had just as much brain potential as any modern human living today. Hence, Homo sapiens sapiens were the aware modern man. So while primitive might carry certain negative connotations, at least in regards to physiology, our ancestors of 20,000 years ago were not that much different than the average person walking the streets today. So with the eventual development of a ritual burial, we've also had a coinciding belief in the idea of ceremony 
and of the underworld and life and death, but also of the nature of regeneration and rebirth with horned animals, of which animal worship would also come into fruition, not so unlike the Native American beliefs and traditions which would arrive several thousands of years later and pay deep honor and respect to the animal kingdom and the natural world. This death and rebirth cycle, uh, notions of duality, would also be reflected in the natural world with our growing understanding, or at least our attempts to understand, the cycles of the seasons of the vegetative world, which would eventually, much later, also develop into methods of agriculture and astronomy, both related to cyclical patterns. And ultimately, all of this, both ritualistic and ceremonial ideals, would become tribal initiations or coming-of-age spirit quests or vision quests, of which psychotropic substances were surely used, or as with the article I read it at the beginning of the program, a state of oxygen deprivation in order to commune with beings from the underworld as well as the cosmos. In shamanistic traditions around the globe, going back many thousands of years to the present day, not only is the usage of psychotropic substances employed, but also intense ritual dancing or chanting and singing and many other methods to get one to a euphoric state or a heightened sense of awareness. These dances or chants or rhythm playing instruments can last for many hours or even days during these ritual and initiation ceremonies, uh, with the intent always in being for the shaman or the initiate to reach that state of awareness, which makes them most susceptible to receiving messages or visions from other dimensions or other dimensional beings, or at least their specific ideas and representations of other worlds and other dimensional beings. Magic mushrooms and many other substances had played a part in these traditions, going back to the birth of all spiritual or religious thought. Now, prominent ethnobotanist and American mystic Terence McKenna would likely have seen all this as fitting in with his stoned ape theory which introduced the notion that our prehistoric ancestors and even our primate relatives from millions and millions of years ago discovered the mind-altering properties of psilocybin, uh, i.e. psychedelic mushrooms, which aided not only in our evolution and the expansiveness of our uh, neuropassageways in our brain, but also helped us to become much more focused and inventive hunters and gatherers, which aided in the survival of our species. <clears throat> Now, ladies and gentlemen, I know I've jumped all over the place with this topic, and I promise that I'm almost finished summarizing my points here, uh, but I want to try to outline, to the best of my ability, within a 20- or 30-minute episode, the historical significance and mythological importance of caves throughout the human history, not only as a starting point for art, uh, but also for civilization and religion itself. I'm trying to paint a clearer picture, no pun intended. Now, that being said, I'd like to touch upon the importance of caves throughout history and mythology and religion as the idea comes back time and time again, so much so, in fact, that it's absolutely, there's no way uh, it could all be highlighted within the confines of a single podcast episode. Uh, but be patient with me. I'm trying to do my best to navigate through these darkened tunnels and corridors to attempt some cohesive map of reality. Now, the use of caves throughout history to depict darkness and symbolic representations of the human psyche has established uh, it as an enduring figure of mystery and danger. And it is because of this reason that few will venture into their depths, either literally or symbolically, while the true mystic and philosopher and religious figure and critical thinker throughout human history returns time and time again to these symbolic passageways. Now, some of the most famous depictions are exemplified through one of the oldest written texts known to man, and that is through the works of Homer's Odyssey 
in which the two worlds of both mortals and immortals alike unite within an eternal cave. Uh, to the Greek philosopher Plato, the cave represented confusion and a line between reality and illusion, such as is exemplified uh, through his famous allegory of the cave. Uh, in this work, individuals chained deep within the recesses of this cave mistake the actions of their shadows for physical existence, uh, while escape from these false perceptions represents escaping the bonds of the cave in order to symbolically transition into this world of reality. In Greek mythology, according to legend, the god Kronos, the god of time, uh, was placed in a cave in the deepest parts of the underworld by Zeus and his siblings after waging war against their father. Likewise, the god Zeus himself was said to have been raised in a cave. Uh, the Greek oracle of Delphi, which was said to have uh, powers of divination and prophecy, resided within a cave temple. And before the creation of temples, all religious ceremonies were held in caves, which were universally recognized as the womb of Mother Earth. Buddha spent much time meditating in caves, and Buddhist temple structures of India, known as cave halls, used caves as their place of worship and would place a stupa at the far end of each cave. And stupas were structures representing heaven, rising from the bases of symbolic of earth. Uh, this could be compared to Mount Olympus, known in mythology as the home of Zeus and the gods. And similar to the stupa, uh, its base was on earth, and its peak reached into the heavens. The up-pointing triangle of the mountain is symbolic of a dominant male figure, while the down-pointing triangle of a cave is symbolical of the female. Now, this representation of both the divinity of the cave and the sacred mountain also uh, were heavily prevalent in ancient Egypt with its beliefs in the primordial mound of creation uh, that would eventually become 1,000 years of pyramid building to represent this notion of uh, sacred mountain and the cave mystery which resides within those temples. <clears throat> in other words, it served as a, an initiatory process and totems of purification uh, with which one could commune with beings from the other world or the gods themselves. Uh, this is really a representation of the cave mystery schools, yet on a much larger and more organized societal level. In Roman mythology, Somnus, the god of sleep, resided in a cave where the sun never shone and everything was in silence. Similarly, the serpent Python, made from the slime of the earth, dwelt in a cave, as did the horned god Pan, who inspired fear by his ugliness, haunting caves and mountaintops. The parallelism between these three legends and their association with the mist of the cave, Somnus with darkness, and Pan's isolation from civilization, and Python's ability to conceal himself within the earth. In Norse legend, Balder, the god of light and joy, was sent into the underworld after being stabbed by his blind brother. The underworld also plays uh, prominently in the myths of the goddess Anana and Ishtar and their famous folklore involving their descent into the underworld. And caves have been a source of legend since the origin of humankind and myths as a way to explain these deviations from our perceived reality. It represents a detachment from the world, life, and the afterlife. When translated into Old Norse, cave becomes heller, and in Scandinavian mythology, the black goddess Hel, queen of shades, is the diveration of the word Hel. Uh, both the Greek Hades and Roman Pluto are gods of the underworld residing in caves. Interestingly enough, <clears throat> Pluto was considered a god of wealth and is known as the giver of wealth and of treasure. And with that, we have ancient tales of dragons 
who guard treasures deep within mountainous caves, who will only release the treasure if the hero is able to answer the riddle that the dragon represents. And surely this is a symbolic association to everything we've discussed today in terms of the dragon and his riddle guarding the entrance to the cave that has yet to reveal many mysteries. Now, the variety of myths associated with caves can best be summed up as a mortal cycle of existence, for it begins and ends in the same location. Life begins in the womb of Mother Earth as two individuals conceive a child within the shelter of a cave. Once grown, this adult may inhabit this cave and use it as a place of residence for himself, Yet, regardless of the conquests and adventures which takes place throughout his life, he is eventually returned to the soil in the form of the grave and is released back into the spirit world of the cave. Uh, perhaps to Westerners, the most famous example of the cave uh, in religion is that of being the place where Christ was placed after the crucifixion. And we all know the story of Christ's resurrection within a cave and the stone being rolled back from the entrance and his body no longer present within. In this way, the cave is the penultimate example of transfiguration and transmutation. It's the story of Easter. And again, going back to the primal idea of birth and resurrection and transformation, and the cave representing the union from one world to the next, life to death, reality to illusion, the subterranean to the terrestrial landscape, light and dark, up and down, <clears throat> And there is one last idea I would like to touch on and end this episode with today, and that is again in the expression of the cave representing the womb, the place of humanity, a birthplace of humanity, and a shelter and a protector and a facilitator of both myth and religion, an initiation temple, uh, the mother goddess, mother earth, impregnated by the sacred fire of which our early human ancestors learned to harness and exploit to their benefit. The importance of this cosmic flame, or the seed of the sun, which entered the womb of the earth and created the race. Now, we truly don't have time to go into all the symbolic and literal importances of fire throughout history, or light, or the hundreds of ways it plays into mythology and symbolism, as well as how this relates to sun worship or solar worship, uh, which was highly prevalent in ancient culture, and perhaps even today. Uh, but needless to say, we could devote hours just to the idea of fire and the sacred flame of knowledge. Uh, but it wouldn't be hard to see how our primitive ancestors residing in their caves before the dawn of human history, if they were to have an understanding of the cave representing a womb, as they surely did have an idea of this, as we find in carvings of several Venus statues of a female depicted pregnant, ripe with fertility, uh, it wouldn't be such a stretch for them to perhaps idealize the mastery of fire as representing a solar seed, the seed of the male sun impregnating the female earth, with which they themselves were the offspring or the shining ones who were messengers of this divine force, as well as protectors of that flame. Now, man, <clears throat> I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, for the length of this episode. As well in the way, as well as the way it probably undoubtedly just jumped around uh, to too many different topics. But hopefully, all of those topics focus back in on one issue, and that is the importance of caves historically, mythologically, as well as evolutionary. Uh, there was also so much more I wanted to cover today, but I want to thank you all once again for listening. And I promise the next episode will be a lighter in both length and in the nature of its information. And once again, please be sure to visit conspiraporn.com as well as my personal blog, primordialproductions.info, and my new art website, 
geneticmemory.online. And that's a place where you can definitely commune with a wide variety of interdimensional beings. And as we close the program today, I will uh, leave you with one of my original songs, which is fittingly entitled Underground. If you are a band or a musician who would like to be featured on this podcast, or if you are interested in hosting a a segment on this podcast, or in writing an article for conspiraporn.com, please feel free to hit me up by email, mad247 at weirdness.com. Likewise, you can reach me there if you just want to leave a message or any feedback or to continue this discussion. Uh, I'll be back next episode, a week or so. So until next time, peace profound. Secrets
Thank you.